Hashtag SAFM Sound Awake. For on the line, the director of uh, the Vet Center for Deaf Studies, Professor Claudine Stovbeck. Prof, top of the morning. Thank you for waking up so early. Hey, thanks, much. Last time to you, man. How, how is uh, the, the lockdown treating you? You know, lockdown is hectic because work for us has continued. There's so much need and um, meetings online, so it's very busy. Mandla, very busy. I hope uh, your meetings online are never, uh, don't have people crashing into them and bringing about uh, things you don't want to see. (laughs) (laughs) No, they're all good. Fantastic. Prof, the lockdown and uh, the regulations that are there have uh, brought on challenges for all of us. And I can imagine for the deaf and hard of hearing community, that challenge is amplified to an extent that many of us do not understand. No, that's totally, totally true. I think number one um, is that they're a a community of people who thrive face-to-face because their language is a visual, three-dimensional language. So that is, it's a a punishment for these people not to be able to engage. And social distancing and that space between people is a very foreign thing for these people because they are a physical people. Um, and the very next thing is, of course, communication and access to information. Um, it is the biggest challenge in South Africa, particularly because we don't have regular access to sign language interpreters on every important thing. So every time there is a news bulletin, um, DESA and our deaf member of parliament have to continually lobby to remind them to get an interpreter. But we have been fortunate in terms of that, but access to information has been very, very limited. And um, it's really hard when you're a person who speaks a foreign language that so few people speak. Um, so it has been a challenge, and we've, we've had to really focus on thinking through what the deaf community needs in order to meet their needs. Challenges, challenges, challenges. Obviously, though, I, I'd like to think that uh, realizing that meant you started uh, probably brainstorming on some initiatives to, to, to mitigate these challenges. Yes. Um, what the, one of the first things we did was we kind of thought through everyone initially, right at the start of lockdown, um, we're talking about training, information, and we knew that the majority of things were being published in, in English Afrikaans. Um, a lot of radio, a lot of podcasts were going out there. And so one of the first few things we did is we started um, forming some really key information so there were COVID-19, what is COVID-19, uh, some questions and answers. We then got contacted by the NIOH, the National Institute of Occupational Health, and they asked us to translate one of the posters into sign language. And then we thought, you know, let's do something for children. So we had a kind of fun information session with two people chatting to each other in a fun, exciting way about COVID-19 for children. We showed them a little experiment with the the pepper in water, and if you put your finger in with soap, pepper runs away. We had a sign language poem to teach them how to wash their hands for a really long time. So it was, number one, information that they could access uh, on YouTube, and we were able to put things on our website. And then we we needed all these hotlines because people then had a need to reach out. How are these people going to get the hotline? We tried a lot of the numbers, SMSs, WhatsApp didn't go through, so we started a WhatsApp hotline for anyone who just needed to ask a question and for the little kids to ask questions. 
And then we decided to live stream the first presidential announcement because we did not know if an interpreter would be available, number one, or if it would be a valid interpreter because we've had a couple of issues before. And so we live streamed the first presidential announcement just to make sure that these people could access, if they weren't on TV, they could access uh, YouTube. And it really has been wonderful to see just how many times people have watched, thousands and thousands of times, people have watched it online. And we know internationally they are accessing our website with information about COVID as well. Mm. Now, the issue of masks, Prof. Hey, Rough. I see that uh, you know the benefit I have is that I can yawn without not without covering my mouth. I can somehow cough because <laughs> my mouth is forever covered. But that's just you know that kind of comfort. But for deaf people, because even though they use sign language mostly, yes. they they also move the, the, their lips uh, to uh, I don't know to drive a point home in as far yes. as the next person that they're talking to. How, how is that? So actually, um, the, the masks actually face, uh, pose a threat for, for at least three groups of people. Um, so the first one is those people who communicate through sign language, which is the one that we're talking about now. So yes. it's very important, first of all, to know that a lot of the sign language linguistics is on the face. So we look at their faces and go, oh my word, look at those facial expressions and oh my word, they're pulling their faces. But there's certain things deaf people do on their face that are linguistic. So when you ask a question in with a voice, you'll say, what did you mean there? Or how? So our voice goes up and down. But in sign language, you use your eyebrows up or down for the work question or the, the um, yes, no question. Your mouth, your cheeks, the passing up, all of that is linguistic. And so with the face mask, Half the linguistics goes away because the passing of cheeks, the mouth, the different um, formats of the mouth, and all of those things are part of sign language. So half of the uh, half of the message is missing. So the hands are just part of the communication. The second thing, the second group of people is these people who are oral. They choose not to do sign language. They have the hearing aid, cochlear implants, and they speak. All these people read lips. Because they just they don't just rely on the spoken word. So they hear you, but they read lips is a very important key to understanding. And then not only can't they read your lips, but when you've got a face mask on, um, it's like talk, 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 talk. you talk through something and it then muffles the sound, which then takes away from the hearing ability through their hearing aids or cochlear implants. So it's a challenge also for the hard of hearing and people who want to speak. And then the third community is the older, deafening community. So these are older yeah. people who are backing, and, and actually children who have what we call auditory processing problems. Those are the kids that are going, what? Huh? Huh? All the time. Kids that are ADD. Oh, yes. They rely on the visual eyes to follow the mouth. So it's, it's a huge challenge for those three communities as well as other children that battle to hear that it's a cognitive ADD thing. Yeah, because I'm just trying to imagine a scenario of, uh, you know, someone who's deaf or mute uh, wanting to go and get their supplies if they live alone as to how their experience unfolds. Yeah, uh, I must say I'm very worried about them. And what they've done is we, uh, the deaf community are busy lobbying 
for those plastic face covers so that they can see the whole face. So, for example, a really good uh, company is Woolworths. Woolworths have got that big plastic face mask that you can see the whole face. And not only that, but there is space between your mouth and this cover so you can see face, eyes, and there is a, you're not cut off. Because the other thing is that there's a social being cut off socially and half your face is missing. Yes. And then for places that really insist on having the face mask, even if you've got the plastic face cover, there are face masks now emerging from the community with a little pocket um, of plastic. So it looks a little bit like a post box. There's a little plastic pocket that, that looks just at the lips. And it's a very good idea. It's a good compromise. But because it's so tight against your face, it steams up and then it gets all sweaty and uh, misty. So the ultimate is really that huge big plastic face cover. Um, and other than that, every now and then a deaf person is going to have to pull their face mask down or take a piece of paper with and try and write some words. They might have to ask you to lift your, to lip read for the every now and then. And mm. We're just going to have to be accommodating. I suppose this is the time for us to try a little tenderness and, uh, you know, practice a random act of kindness. Totally. I think um, now more than ever is to be open and to be willing to, to do what the other person needs. So we're thinking about ourselves, we're thinking about our safety, but when communication is a barrier, that is a basic human right. And although we really admit and acknowledge the need for safety and hygiene and social distancing, you know, if we are needing to every now and then be kind, lift that face mask if we don't have anything and just help that deaf person using mom and gesture, writing it down. But we have to consider that not only are these people anxious as we are worried about the world, worried about their safety, but now they can't even communicate effectively. And so that makes it even worse. And then, of course, Mandela, during a time like this, everyone is irritable. Everyone is officially impatient. And so it's a time to just say, look, let me not think about myself, but what does the other person need? And when a little old person is coming to you or someone who's got a hearing aid and they're battling, not get irritated, but think, oh, how can I? Let me quickly lift my face mask because those type of things are what we call reasonable accommodations. Mm. And if you feel you need to step back another half a meter to improve your hygiene and safety and then lift your mask, do so. But yes, you like a little bit of kindness just to make sure that everyone has equal access. Uh, do we know, Prof, if there are any people who are deaf or mute and hard of hearing who have been affected by uh, COVID-19? We have in South Africa... And I mean, it's just a recent one that I thought of. Two days ago, we lost a very special little lady. Um, her her uh, brother was best blind, and she was blind with a little bit of business. So we're really sad about that. And um, we think that there are these people that have um, got the virus, but not a lot of communication because they probably gone to the doctor and not been understood. Or they haven't even decided to go to the doctor because they know going to the medical field is just huge barriers. And then, of course, we've lost international based people and on the international sites, there's a lot of grieving about really important people because it's a small community. So these people are a small community and it's, it's, a, it's an intimate community where so many people know each other. But sadly, I think that's part of the problem. We're only going to know 
the impact of it on the community once lockdown is finished, when they're able to communicate more readily, and then it'll go down the, the, the death grade fine, and we'll be finding out, sadly, who has passed away. We're chatting to Professor Claudine Stovbacker. She's the head of uh, the Centre uh, for the Deaf Community at the University of the Witwatersrand, talking about the challenges that uh, deaf people, uh, mute people, and hard-of-hearing people are facing on a day-to-day basis. It, uh, for argument's sake, Doc, if, if we find ourselves having to isolate or somebody who's affected has to be isolated, what would you suggest will be the best thing for someone like that? Because you're saying... We are irritable, we are on the edge, and, and, and obviously we express those emotions differently, and obviously people with this condition also express them differently. What would you suggest would be the best way to isolate them so that they don't feel overwhelmed? Sure. Um, I mean, what we've tried to do is reach out through the WhatsApp groups so that we've kept up the social um, necessity. Um, one of our staff members the other day hosted a deaf quiz online. And there were pe- deaf people from all over the world that logged in live and were doing deaf quizzes. At the moment, we are starting to offer sign language classes. We are uh, you know, we're wanting deaf pe- uh, people to go online and download resources off the internet to read about business, uh, learn about it, and not be fearful. If we are fearful of these people, we do three things. We avoid them. We sometimes embarrass them. We do over-pronunciate or shout at them. Yes. Um, but it, it's so difficult for these people because they have their pride as well. Just because you don't understand the language of the people around you doesn't mean you're dumb. But people often assume just because you don't speak their language that they're dumb. And so they have to deal with the patronizing communities of people. So I think number one is just let go of all your fear. You cannot make a fool of yourself with a deaf person. They have the most wonderful sense of humor. And when you try to make a connection, then they don't feel embarrassed if they're making a fool of themselves to speak broken English or to try and do gestures. And um, go and learn a little bit about these people. You know, we're all trying to become multilingual in this country. Let's not forget about South African sign language. Absolutely, Doc. Absolutely. Because, yeah, I can imagine it, it can be tough. But I like the idea that, you know, deaf people are able to communicate, um, you know, on WhatsApp and play games while, they, you know, dealing with uh, the, the issue at hand. Currently, at VETS, are you getting a lot more people asking questions and also getting on the WhatsApp line? We definitely are. And, and such precious little people have been contacting us on the WhatsApp line, little children. Um, saying I'm worried, I don't know what to tell my mommy. Um, you know, what does it look like when you're sick? We've had some older people contact us. And the nice thing is, if they contact us and they're not very illiterate, they can send us little videos. So I must say, Zoom, FaceTime, WhatsApp, this has been a godsend to these people because they can send little videos to each other, they can do live chats, and that's been really exciting. We currently almost finishing a South African Sign Language online course that people can do because we know lockdown is going to be carrying on for quite a while. That's a nice one. So, you know, learning it online is going to be amazing. And then, of course, we've got uh, resources. You know, you can go and read about deaf people, about deaf heroes in South Africa, deaf poetry. We've got storybooks about deaf children. And all of that is free online to download. And they're proper, 
proper illustrated, amazing professional books with ISP numbers, but you download them for free. So it's just take that step and go and Google a little bit, and, and we are going to be helping you make access to things. And then, of course, we've got help for families of deaf children. So families of deaf children, during a time like this, is hard because families that are hearing don't know what to do. And so we have a, a High Hopes Early Intervention Program where we support families of deaf babies for free. And that stopped. And suspending that has just been terrible because you've got a whole community of families that are grieving with these little buddies that are deaf and don't know what to do. So we set up WhatsApps where we send family messages. We've got a family WhatsApp group where we teach you sign language on WhatsApp. And so it's actually not a bad idea. So maybe a challenge to some of the listeners if they're interested in joining a little WhatsApp group. Oh, yeah. sign language. There is a COVID-19 lockdown special. Join for free and we'll teach you some sign language on WhatsApp. Um, but now's the time to really reach out. And if you know a family that's got a deaf baby and you know a family that's got you know, really be supportive because they're not just dealing with lockdown, but isolation from the support that they get from us, isolation from people that can help them. It's really hard when business is in your family. Yeah, also I found, Prof, that, um, I, I don't know if you agree, that medical staff across the board are yet to be trained in terms of how to deal with patients with uh, these uh, challenges whether it's developmental uh, attention deficits, um, obsessive compulsive disorder, because mm. those people don't follow the normal rules as it were. If a doctor comes with a stethoscope, they might find it odd how those are navigated because you find that sometimes medical treatment becomes a bit of a challenge for people like that. Totally. Um, that is so true. I'm glad you mentioned that, Mandla. Um, when doctors are trained, you know, they're trained to save our lives. They're trained on the medical and the scientific and the biological. But one of the key things that they're not learning yet, and they probably don't have time, but Wits University has started training the medical doctors in the third year. They teach them sign language, which my, my department goes and teaches them sign language. But more than that, it's like you say, it's the other stuff. You know, how do you approach someone that has got difficulties in different languages, and how do you ask them in a politically, culturally appropriate way? And definitely when you're approaching children with any form of disability, it's kind of thinking, how would I ask a regular to do this? And you might have to do it in a totally different way. How do you do things in a way that doesn't scare the child, doesn't scare the person? And not to be irritated after the third time of asking them, and they don't answer you or they give you a, no, I'm fine. So definitely uh, we offer courses for families and people who work with autism and other disabilities. And just, we just sensitize people into the different ways of communicating, um, saying things slower, giving various examples. But mm. again, Manda, we assume now, oh, my word, now we're talking to someone dumb. But just because they're different doesn't mean they're dumb. They just need information in different ways. And part of the challenge there is, they know when we start patronizing them. They sense that we're going, oh, and then yes. you can't simplify and baby it. And um, that's just, that's half the barrier too. So definitely medical practitioners who are interested to contact us, we would be happy to create little resources for them um, online and 
uh, I'm just thinking, you know, we could be little webinars for people. And actually, you know, I'm not thinking for that. Um, you know, thinking of little webinars that we can host for people in the medical field who wanting to be able to be a little bit more accommodating, empathizing. Ah, I think we're going to start a couple of those. This is a sparking new idea. Thanks, Mamla. Uh, we are there, Prof. We are there. <laughs> so can people get in touch with you for more? I have uh, email claudine.stockback at gmail.com. Yeah, that's my COVID-19 lockdown. It's, it's normally my name and surname, claudine.stockback at wits.ac.za. Or if you forget to go to the Wits website and type in this and you'll find me. But yes, my, my home email, claudine.stockback at gmail.com. And, and the know, WhatsApp line? The WhatsApp line oh, seven four oh two nine two seven six four. There it is. Yes, thank you. I didn't have my number with me. So the WhatsApp line. And then, of course, they can take my cell phone number. I'm happy to get... Is it against your policy or can I give my cell phone number? No, no Prof. If you're comfortable with it, we're yes, not going to happen. Yes. So it's 083-324-1588. Always WhatsApp rather than phone, but if it's an emergency, please phone. It's next to my bed all the time. If, you know, if you've got an emergency with a deaf baby, deaf child, you, you don't know what to do with a family member. Mm-hmm. Um, we are here to serve and... We don't say that lightly. Literally, 24-7, we are available for people to ask questions. Please contact us. We've got a Twitter account. It's my name. Or Centre for Their Studies at WITS. Um, and we're starting a podcast. So we are available and accessible. We're now just waiting for people to reach out. Professor, you and your team are stars. They're my friend says. You are yeah, well, blah, blah, blah. We are very happy to be stars. And thank you for letting us share some information, Mandla, donkey. I wish I could do sign language to show you thank you over here. <laughs> you, you'll teach me that. Um, I know the autism one, you know, you touch your your chin with an yes. open hand oh, no, no. and you extend That's it. That's actually the sign language one that ah. autism borrowed from us. Oh, is that how it works? <laughs> That's know. not. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing that to you, Doc. Many thank thanks. Thank you, thank you, Mandla. And have a fabulous day and power to your hands and your team. Thank you and thank you. Lovely. And all the best during the lockdown. Health and safety to your listeners. I'm working on the boop. I'm working on the boop, Doc. I'll let you know. <laughs> Thanks, Mandla. Have a nice day. Thank you so much. Professor back there. You know, join the WhatsApp group if you want to learn more. There's lots you're going to learn. 0740292764. It's uh, seven minutes to the news at five with Lomsam Luli. Hashtag SAFM Sound Awake.